from Forth. This is So What Do You Do? podcast. When someone tells you what they do for work, do you ever secretly think, okay, but what do you actually do? I'm Ellie, and you, my friend, are in the right place. We interview everyday professionals from all positions in all industries. So sit back, relax, and learn where you too can thrive in a nine to five. Today, we are interviewing Raylia, and Raylia is an occupational therapist that currently works with home health pediatric patients. Raylia studied rehabilitation studies at University of Wisconsin-Madison, and then went on to get her graduate degree at Carroll University in Wisconsin. Today, we talk all about not only what Raylia does now, but the major opportunities and um, experiences that exist within the field of occupational therapy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to So What Do You Do podcast. Today, I have an extra special guest. This is actually my first cousin, Raylia. So without any further ado, Raylia, please introduce yourself and tell us what do you do? Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Ellie. It is such a pleasure. I am an occupational therapist. And as an occupational therapist, um, what we do is we help people do the things that they want to do or the things that they need to do. And that can mean a lot of different things depending on the person, but um, we work with people when they're babies up to um, 100 years old. So it's different for everyone. Oh, this is going to be so good. Okay, awesome. So I love that helping people do what they want to do and helping people do what they need to do. And I'm sure many listeners are familiar with potentially physical therapy. Maybe they had to see a physical therapist at some point in their life, but not everyone gets to interact with an occupational therapist. So I am just so excited to dive in. But before we get there, I want to hear a little bit about your background. So what did you, where did you go to undergrad and what did you study? Um, Maybe a little bit about what you thought you wanted to be when you grew up and then what took you to grad school? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to undergrad at UW-Madison in Wisconsin. Go Badgers. Go Badgers. Um, (laughs) And I studied rehabilitation psychology, um, but I did not get there right away. So when I started college, I was initially thinking business. Uh, I grew up with the narrative that, oh, women in business, like, great. And so I was, like, really motivated by that. And, but then I was starting to take some of the business courses, and I am, like, I cannot sit in a desk all day long. Um, I just have a lot of trouble sitting still for long periods of time. And plus, the courses I were taking weren't really interesting me. So, I kind of moved into the direction of physical therapy or like um, kinesiology with more of a science emphasis. But some of the courses I wasn't super enamored by, which led me to the rehab psych. And so I was drawn to rehab psych um, 
because it's essentially a special ed degree without the teaching certificate. And I just fell in love with all the courses with a focus on vulnerable, vulnerable populations, specifically individuals with disabilities. Mm, that's so awesome. Okay. So it sounds like you went through different paths in school. I love hearing everyone's kind of story and knowing you, Raylia, I can, t I guess I didn't know that about you, but I could totally see yourself thinking, oh, women in business. I want to be, you know, this powerhouse woman climbing the career ladder. Um, but now that I know you and I see you in this career, it's like such a no brainer to me that you're fulfilling your passion. So I, I can't wait to dive in. That's so awesome. So after Re, I guess after you graduated from UW-Madison, you had an idea you wanted to do OT. So what was next? Where did you go to grad school and how did you get to that point? So I took a gap year after I graduated from Madison um, because as I kind of alluded to earlier, I had switched my major several times. So I wanted a year to completely focus on applying since my senior year was super busy. So I um, applied and went to grad school at Carroll University in Wisconsin. And so I was a part of their occupational therapy program for two years. And um, during that experience, um, you have two externships. So I had the opportunity to have an outpatient externship, a neuro externship, or we call them field work experiences as well. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of my OT school experience. I graduated last May, actually. Awesome. Well, congrats for being out a year. I know uh, when people go to grad school, a lot of times they love what they're studying, but they are definitely ready to be done and head into the real world. So I'm excited um, for you and to share a little bit about what you've learned since then. And so let's jump into our second section of this podcast, the real meat and potatoes, which is what do you actually do? And for my audience and for these students that they may be in high school, they may be um, in college even trying to figure out what they want to do. Can you explain what that first job is that you took out of college and what that really entailed, your every day of what that role description was? So after I graduated from my OT program, I accepted a home health pediatric occupational therapy position in Austin. And so I took this job because it had appealed to me that it was a home health position, but working with pediatrics because mm -hmm. during our, our OT program, all we had talked about was home health, working with the elderly population. So working with pediatrics at home um, where kids spend most of their time really appealed to me. And so how this role worked was the home health agency would email me a description of a client with um, where they lived, maybe their diagnoses, things like that. And so I would email them back and tell them, yes, I can take this client, I can fit them in my schedule, or um, it's too far away, um, things like that. And so that's kind of how the schedule was structured. I was kind of my own independent contractor. I could um, 
say when I wanted to work. I could take off when I wanted to. So it was super duper flexible. That's awesome. And so I'm curious, what types of things were, could have been um, potential ailments or potential issues that these um, clients were struggling with that you would come in? Like, what are some examples of things that you would work with them on? So a lot of the diagnoses that we worked with were developmental. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes they had like a autism diagnosis, but not always. And even if um, maybe I thought they might have it, that really wasn't um, a focus for me. What I worked on was their functional deficit. So um, let's say I evaluated a kiddo and um, by six years old is kind of when a five or six year old should be able to tie their shoes. So if a child was five or six and they were unable to tie their shoes, I would evaluate, okay, what's going on that makes them or is making it hard for them to tie their shoes? Um, do they have a fine motor impairment? Is it a lack of hand strength? Is it a visual perceptual deficit? And so those, I focus more on the deficit and less on the diagnosis. Um, and so the cool thing about this job is I, my youngest kiddo was nine months. Oh, he just melted my heart every time I go in there. And my oldest was 17. So as you can see, there's a wide range of ages. And so with the nine-month-old, we'd work more on um, functional transfers. So by that, I mean like going from sitting to standing and um, strengthening. And with my 17-year-old, it was more um, job-based or like independent functional tasks. Cool. Wow. That is amazing. Nine months to 17 years. That's a really, that's a really big range. Those kids and those clients are drastically different, but it's crazy how they all fit in this bucket of pediatrics. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, taking, taking that information, I know that, and I want, to give you an opportunity to kind of tell your story and also explain a little bit about what interests you in occupational therapy in the future. Because for any of my listeners, I mentioned and Raylia mentioned, she graduated a year ago. So this is her first job out of college, really get, gave her an opportunity to move to a new city, like she mentioned, and really experience a new city, have flexible hours so she could go back home if she needed to or spend time with friends or just, you know, do what she needed to do and plan her own schedule. But I would love for you to speak a little bit to what interests you in regards to occupational therapy in the future and what other roles you're interested in pursuing even down the line. That's a great question. Something I love talking about is um, my passion in OT. So one of my clinical experiences was um, at a stroke and Parkinson's certified rehab hospital. And all that means is just a fancy uh, nursing home or um, meet someone who can handle more intense therapy rather. That's like a subacute facility. And so I, at this um, fieldwork experience, I fell in love with neurodiagnoses. So anything from 
spinal cord injury, stroke, Parkinson's, brain injury, things like that. And I loved the longevity required for this type of therapy. Whereas like a hip replacement, you might need therapy for a few weeks to build up some lost strength post-surgery. Neuro, it's like, it might take years um, to kind of get back to that functional place where you want to be. Like, let's say you have a goal of um, like cleaning your house or something that seems so simple, but um, it might take a while with some of these more uh, intense diagnoses. Okay, that's really interesting. And so for those types of roles, are you sitting in a clinic? Are you sitting in a hospital? Or are they mostly, like you said, in these kind of facilities or like glorified, like maybe home, like elderly um, facilities? It could be either in an outpatient clinic that's just a standalone facility. It could be an extension of the hospital or it could be at the subacute facility that I referred to earlier. So it could be either of those. It just kind of depends on um, your geographic area. Um, Definitely bigger cities have um, more of these specializations. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. And so I think that that really leads me to my next question, and you may have just answered it a little bit, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to potentially say something different. What would you say is like your favorite thing about occupational therapy as a whole? I love OT because of its emphasis on treating the whole person. And um, because when someone comes in with their hip replacement or they had a stroke, you're not just addressing their arm or their leg. You're looking at their mental and emotional well-being. And I love being able to connect with someone and working with them to help them get to where they want to be ultimately. And so as we work together, I get to be active in my role as an OT and I get to utilize my creativity. So Mm -hmm. that's my favorite part of OT. Okay. And that's, that makes complete sense. And I think the beauty of this podcast is we get to hear the good with the bad. And so I would love to hear what is the hardest part? Maybe, maybe it's your least favorite, but also maybe it's just the most challenging. What would you say is the most challenging part about being an occupational therapist? Mm -hmm. So I think of this question in reference to my most recent role as a home health OT Mm -hmm. or working with kids um, is some, a lot of the, cause you think, oh, we're working on shoe time, but a lot of times it was also addressing behaviors Mm -hmm. that presented. um, And so that was very difficult as my first job out of school. So I just wanted to kind of share that for anyone going into pediatrics that um, it's, um, you kind of have to be good at both or learn different strategies in your tool belt. Um, And it's good to have a support system as a therapist. Mm -hmm. So um, that kind of answers that aspect of that question. But also you can't talk about the medical field without um, talking about documentation. Um, (laughs) Because we're all in this because we love to work with people and um, be up and at them. But 
um, we also got to take care of the uh, computer stuff as well. Yeah. Okay. You transitioned to this perfectly because my next question really has to do with emails, but also computer work. Now I know the large majority of your time is spent with patients, which is what you love and what I would argue most therapists love is being with the people. But to kind of paint the picture, do you have, do you get really full inboxes of emails? If you do, what types of emails are there or not really? Is it pretty scarce? Like what are you typically seeing every day? So in my most recent role, I would get a large influx of emails because that's how I got my caseload. Mm -hmm. But in other disciplines or um, types of OT, I don't think you get that many emails, um, at least in my two fieldwork experiences in both outpatient and um, neuro, we, we didn't get that many, which was kind of nice, which allowed us to focus more on the documentation aspect of things after we saw a client. Yeah, and it's so interesting for me, and this is why I think this podcast is so awesome, because in my mind, if you are a working professional in any stretch of the imagination, you get so many emails. Because if that's, you know, that's my reality and that's a lot of people's reality. So it's really cool because I hope someone's listening to this thinking, oh, this is awesome. I want to be, you know, on my feet. I want to be working with people. Yes, there's documentation. Yes, there's hard parts, like you said, behavior issues, maybe other things that may not be as fun. But if someone's thinking, I really just don't want to sit in front of a computer every day. This could be a really awesome option for that person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because that's when I had that realization in undergrad is I do not thrive behind a computer screen. And so um, that's kind of how I found OT. Um, yeah. I love that. Okay. Now this again, perfectly, you're, you're setting me up for success here. Perfect transition into our final touch point, our final topic, which is how do I get there? So if you were a young person listening to your story right now, Relia, and they wanted to be in your shoes after college, what would be the next best step for them today, whether they are in school right now, they're approaching graduation, or maybe they're even in high school, what would, what would be your one piece of advice for them? I would recommend reaching out to your connections and have a few conversations with maybe it's not an OT or a speech therapist or physical therapist, because we all three disciplines kind of work together at some point. And so um, even if, let's say you're really interested in PT, I'm not a PT, but I probably know someone who is. And so um, just kind of developing that rapport with them before asking to shadow, because as like a high schooler or college student, I think we think, oh, we, I want to shadow right away. And um, I don't think we, I always realize that there's kind of a lot of loopholes to jump through before mm -hmm. um, a student can come along because of um, privacy, client confidentiality. So I would build that relationship first 
before um, you ask to come along because then after you have that relationship, you know, I'm willing to stick my neck out so that you can come along and um, I can share what I love about this profession. That is amazing advice. And I, I think that that's really the key to success in so many areas, right? It's like, you want to be um, building that relationship before you're just coming out of the gate asking for stuff. And I, that's so, that's such good insight because for someone like me, I guess I didn't realize that even to shadow you would need, I'm sure you would need documentation and kind of just things to make sure that all the confidentiality is covered. Like they're not just going to bring anyone in there. And so I'm sure that's much more work on the therapist to do. And they probably want to do that for someone that they feel cares about them and has built that relationship up until that point. So that's amazing advice. Um, One other piece I was thinking about was you obviously mentioned what you studied in undergrad. What, and you may not know, but what other undergraduate degrees really set you up for success to go to get your graduate degree in occupational therapy? The great thing about OT is you can be an OT with any undergrad degree. They, if you are a dance major, they almost view that as an asset um, because that makes you unique and you can come into OT with like a dance lens and all that you learned about that. Or if you went a different route and you were in business, um, that's fine too. As long as you have all the prerequisites, that's all they care about. Wow. Okay. And I think actually, did you have to take any prerequisite courses in your gap year? I don't remember. I don't think I did because okay. it was very important to me that I uh, finished um, in four. So mm-hmm. I was very fortunate that I did not have to take any prereq courses. That's awesome. But I think the punchline, and I know people do this for med school, even if they figure out they want to go to med school later on, they may need to take prerequisites, like after they officially graduate, graduate maybe at a community college or something like that. I'm sure that's similar for occupational therapy. You know, it's all online. You can Google like what those prereqs would be, especially as you're thinking about applying to schools and such. So that's, um, that's awesome. And this has just been such a good conversation, Raylia, and I feel that I've learned, taken away even more than I um, knew going into it, and so I hope that this creates um, a lot of insight and value for any students trying to figure out what they want to do with their life, but lastly, I would ask, um, would it be okay if I shared your LinkedIn with my um, listeners so that if they found this interview helpful and they want to reach out and just say hello and say thanks, um, could I share that with them? Yes, of course. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Raylia, for the conversation and thank you all for listening and have a good one. Thanks for listening. If you loved this episode and are inspired by this nine to fiver, let us know. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Screenshot this episode and tag us on social at fourth underscore LLC. We would love to hear what professionals and industries you want to hear from next. Want more career guidance, discovery, and inspiration? Be sure to visit our website, goforthllc.com 
and browse our career downloads, read our blogs, and get inspired to go forth.